Yes, 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 yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of It's Not That Deep. Bro. And we're back. Episode 35. That's right. You hear it. You heard it here. And it's not that deep, bro. Episode 35. Oland, how you doing, my man? Coming on through with the new solution. We're back. Um, I'm good. I'm 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 ready to go, to be fair. You're ready to go? Mm. So we should we just fucking jump straight into it? We are giving you a little taste of the power of this new app that we have called the Randy Master 5000. That's right. It's the upgraded version <laughs> of the Randy Master 4000. We're coming. Oh, I this is the 3000 when we started. <laughs> and now it's moved to 5000. We've gone up two whole upgrades. That's right. In one jump. It's it's quite incredible. So I'm all I'm all I need from you, Martin, is a countdown. You know it's coming in hot. Out of five, four, three, two, one. And the film we are watching is... The hard drive had to kick into gear. Bear with me. The Good Shepherd, 2006. Who's it by? I have no idea. Let's... The Good Shepherd. Before we uh, settle in to watch, to watch The Good Shepherd. So The Good Shepherd, ooh, is directed by Robert De Niro. That's interesting. It features Matt Damon, and it tells the untold story of the birth of the CIA. Wow. Oh, so this is a true story. Apparently so, yes. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, get yourself a copy of The Good Shepherd, directed by Robert De Niro, 2006. And we shall see you on the other side. Peace out, motherfuckers. Gentlemen, we are back after just watching The Good Shepherd, 2007. Six. Um, Six? Yeah. Look it up. Cool. Because <laughs> I saw Shall it was do, 2007. Um, oh, come on, man. Robert De Niro's done so much. It's so hard to just find simple things uh, on his Wikipedia page. Um, yeah, 2006. Fair enough. Well, why did it, my phone say 2007? Because the internet is not a watertight place for facts. That's why. You have to be really sure about these things, you know? The, the place where you just looked at where it came from, it's not a... Well, it is, because uh, that's oh, like a massive, okay. you know, that's what like a teacher would tell you at school, like Wikipedia, anyone can edit it. Well, it's not been that way for like over 10 years to get to edit something on Wikipedia. Yeah, anyone can submit an edit to Wikipedia, but then it goes through a board of people that fact check it. But and it's sick because it's actually people, people volunteer for that position. So each topic on Wikipedia has a board of people that are actually really interested in that topic that kind of maintain the truth of each page on Wikipedia and you can click on the edit page like just here the talk mm -hmm. so now the page we're on here this shows every single edit that's ever happened to the Good Shepherd page on Wikipedia and it shows the full conversation that happened between the person that suggested the edit and the people that are in charge of this page saying oh well we don't actually think that bit's true and then they like debate the fact of it all it's really interesting but that's the internet and you just said the internet. 
Well, if we're going to get bogged down in semantics as we do as usual, then oh, yes. bogged down in semantics you found is not a way like... that the sentence is wrong, that I'm wrong with that one sentence that I said. So well done. I'm wrong with that. Fair enough. But I am Good. right about the fact that Wikipedia says that this film came out in 2006 and we are on the other side of a three hour I would call that film a labyrinth it did um, switch between him being young and old all at the same time but like without telling you do you know what I mean like you think yeah did you not see there were bits where he's like his son is already grown up, and then there's bits where he's like, it's telling the story of like, from when his his son grew up. So like, at the start of the film, mm. you see him talking to his son on the phone. Says, "Oh, be careful." But then as you carry on, he they he they tell the story of. Um, when he was younger and how he got into that situation that he's in now. See, I... And he switched between the two as the film went on. And I was like, what? So is this is this young him or old him? Yeah, that was well difficult to pay attention to because I... That's answered... I must have missed that because I thought it was weird how this uh, tape that he... Matt Damon's character was like trying to work out who the person in this tape was for like the whole film. Yeah. And then it turned out to be his son. But in my head, I thought, well, he's been looking into this tape since before he even had a son. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's why like it switched between the two. Oh, I didn't so every get that. So every time like you heard about the tape, it was when his son was older. And then when you had like the stories of like how he, he, um, Got well, stopped seeing that Laura girl, the yeah. deaf girl. Yeah, that was before he had his son. But then yeah. he wasn't looking into it then because he didn't know. He was just he was just a young man trying to get through life the best he could or mm. whatever, and he trying to get into like the CIA and stuff. So that's why I I was like, wait, wait, I got it. I understood what was happening. But why is the transition not like being told? Like I don't, I understand it wasn't that. Explained. Yeah, it was like that. But the, I guess if we're gonna and try forth. and like talk about the film and what it was, that I would love to make a film like that, where you don't say the what's happened. More the. People, people, I, I like, I understood what, like, once it, it happened, I could tell when he was older, and when he was the older version of him or the younger version of him mm. by his hair. I see. The older version had gray hair. The younger version had brown hair, like proper brown. When hair. I say I'd like to make a film like this one day, I mean, this film doesn't hold your hand, as we no. kind of just said with mm -hmm. the whole, like, it's not going to it throws a lot of material at you and says, work that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. I bet you know a lot more about the the sort of stuff that they were talking about well, compared it was... to me. But like, I could see that a lot of it was like hidden. Like he, he was very, very secretive about everything that he did. Even though like at the start, his father said to him, don't lie to your friends. But then you sort of like go through and then he's like, look, in this sort of business, you can't trust anyone. You ain't got any friends. Mm. But then he's obviously as his dad. He, he's like, "You don't lie to your friends and make sure you, you have good friends because they will help you. If you don't, you'll be alone. Yeah, there's so many different things to talk about. Like so many different narrative lines yeah, to, to yeah. talk about. But I suppose, yeah, this film is about the dad, him, and his son. Those three people all play quite... He is in... He's He is the way he is because of his father killing himself. Yeah, yeah. And the way that he lived his life. 
And that has made him very... Um, untrusting. Untrusting, reserved, very quiet, and he, yeah. he observes. Yeah. And he only says something when he needs to say something. Mm-hmm. Which, which in the whole film, you're like... A lot of the people were saying stuff to him. Now they may may be like rhetorical, so that doesn't need an answer. Mm. But like, if it was me or you, you we would give it an answer. Do you know what I mean? And he was just there, like, yeah, yeah he's very like just leave now. He's putting things together all mm. the time, and then I suppose he has then raised his son in such a way, I guess parents raise their children in a way to hide them from the stresses and harshities that they've experienced. Yeah, yeah. Well, they try to, sort mm-hmm. of thing. But then, children are, like, curious. Yeah, they and like they, to look around. Yeah, or just understand yeah. what's going on. And I suppose as anyone does, but due to the nature of his career, you know, secrecy is inherent to being part of an intelligence officer. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah. that that happens anyway if your dad isn't an intelligence officer sort of thing. Like, you're always wanting to know what's going on and it, it all depends on how your parents are to whether that, how much you get told. It's like if there was, like, a disaster going on, you can either tell your kid, like, exactly what's happening. Like, a meteor's coming and we're all going to die or you could be like, everything's going to be fine, Johnny, and just hug him until we all die. Like, it's how, different parenting styles, isn't it, and how you... But it ends up in the kids becoming resentful. They'll be resentful for what you do and they'll want what you didn't do. Yeah. That's generally yeah. how kids work. So it, you, can you see how it's got so twisted? So like Matt Damon's character has grown up to not live how his father was, but then subsequently that's made his son see him like he saw his father, even though he tried his hardest to make that not happen sort of thing yeah okay I, I, I sort of and it's like that, a chain reaction from many mistakes of uh, scared proud men and it kind of trickles down into Matt Damon's character was all about being the a patriot being the right, doing the yeah, right thing. doing the right thing. But, but it didn't sort of mean that, like, everything he did was No, he makes right some thing. terrible decisions. Yeah. Awful yeah. decisions. I don't, that's one thing I don't get about the, the whole, like, romance that he had. Like, what was going through his mind? So this is... What he, had, he, he had this, like, woman that, like, loves him or whatever. And then he sort of, like no, I'm going to have sex with somebody else and have a kid with that person. So And then goes back and then goes... It ties in with the with the father thing again, that he was so close to his mother, didn't get to have the father sort of thing for his whole child. You know, he was very young when his father killed himself, so he's had that taken away from him. So all he had was the hug of his mother sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So then when it comes to women... He displays a want, like he he manages to get a lot of women. He does because yeah. of his mystique. You know how quiet he is. That actually like helps him in the first stages of talking to women. But then when he gets what he wants, he's very either. It wasn't like uh, wasn't love. No, it was no. simply just to have just to do it. Feel the touch of. Another person, yeah, another woman. it's like a hug, warmth, mm-hmm. that like mother kind of thing that he had growing up, and then he moves on because he quite quickly gets sucked back into the thing that he's really in love with, his job, which is, but it's 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 interesting because he he there's a line in it where he says about. Um, it's I think it's Joe Pesci's character says he's going through all the races and he's saying that all the different races have have something have something yeah what do you have and he says well I've got America you guys are all just tourists here. 
in my opinion. Bearing in mind that they took they took over America. They weren't it wasn't their land in the first place. Well yeah, place. yeah, yeah. Forget <laughs> it like, <laughs> like <laughs> forget about like all the inconsistencies with that comment from a historical <laughs> standpoint anyway. I think by the end of this film he's become like a tourist in America because he's not like there's a he goes to so many different places in this film. England, he goes to uh, Cuba. A, yeah, Cuba. He's he's in lots of different locations, but he's always there not as an actual person of he's not there as a tourist. You know no, what I mean? He's there to to he's there on a job. And once his family split up and he's not with his wife anymore, he doesn't have that like home to go to. His his home was so nice. Like uh, Robert De Niro's character says, this must be a nice place to raise kids. And there's a point when he has like this, the perfect situation. He's serving his country. He's got a beautiful wife and a kid and it's all looking pretty, you know, fallout, you know, a, yeah. a nuclear family. But yeah. then by the end of the film, he can't trust anyone. He has no the family is like busted apart and he doesn't have that sense of home anymore. So he's like straight up just like a vagabond. It's like this soulless man. It's cause he, um, he's very quiet. I feel like the way that he is has just fucked him up for every single relationship he would have other than saving his country to do things, which I see the CIA and I'm like, these these people are supposed to be what? The elite. To an extent, yeah. But you don't see them like do one bit of training other than like spying. So they're like what? Spying elites? Like, well, there's like... Are they like... So this is like... This film's cool. I actually liked how this film predates the CIA and you actually get to see how it like gets set up. But is that true? What's so, happening? Okay, so what's true in this film is he's taken like a lot of... It's a really fucking good film, the more I think about it. But he's like... There's characters in this film, right, that symbolize like four real people all at once. Mm -hmm. And he... It, life's like... This film was complicated, but real life is more complicated than this film. You know of what I course, mean? Of course, yeah. So if this film's really trying to show what that period of time was like. I believe this film to be really accurate, but if you were to say it would be really accurate, people would attack you because it's all fictional people. Mm -hmm. But if you understand what is trying to be said, you know what I mean? When I say like some of these characters play multiple different roles sort of thing, if we're talking about them acting like real people. So you've got like the head of the CIA... Uh, so much in this film i got to think about this it was such a long and dense film so you see it was a very long and dense you film you see at the beginning he's part of Yale yeah which is like the school mm -hmm. to be going to was Harvard not made there? Harvard and Yale are the two sorry yeah. like it's like Oxford and Cambridge Harvard yeah. and Yale fill fill those gaps and uh, all you know, we've all heard of the infamous David Cameron filleting a pig head. The president, the, the prime minister, fucked a pig head. You remember that? Yeah, like twenty sixteen or something. It came. Oh out. my god! And then goodness. Black Mirror did an episode that had yeah, something yeah. very similar in it, and it was all. I thought it was a, a Black Mirror episode, but that actually happened. Yeah, that actually happened, man. Wow, so, I didn't and, know that. So that's because these universities, the the high elite universities, have well, I'm sure you're aware of like societies at yeah, universities. Yeah, yeah. And then I bet you're aware of uh, American colleges, fraternities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that word just there, fraternity. Let's think about that. N that word now is thought of and you think of like the American uh, version of you think about like American society. Pie, you think about yeah. like Twenty Two Jump Street, yeah, 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 and all of that parties. So that yeah, parties. So you've got colleges and you've got different societies, and those societies or fraternities are based around, or well, the societies can be based around different hobbies, but the fraternities typically in America all have ancient Greek names mm -hmm. like Beta Gamma Pi, 
yeah, beta gamma pi. And then you'll like down a six pack. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that is just, that's a whole thing in itself. What has happened, it did, the fraternities have always existed, but they weren't always about nailing six packs and playing beer pong. Okay. They were groups at universities, but they were like, after hours clubs for people to gather and talk about things they were interested in. And it's only over the past 40, 30, 40 years that they've become what they are today, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah, as culture has moved in that direction. So, and especially at Oxford, Cambridge, Yale. The you know if you go to like the worst university, then the parties are probably going to be sick. You know what I mean. You might not get a good education, but the but you know the parties are going to yeah. be sick. But if you go to like Oxford and Cambridge, the parties might not be so cool from like what normal people would want from a party. Like you're not going to get your beer pong maybe, but you are going to possibly get a good education and be able to go to some events and parties that allow you to talk to people that are interested in whatever you're doing or whatever you want to do all sorts of different things so with all that in mind the skull and bones club is a fraternity yeah and that in yale. exists in yale and you get there was a bit of that kind of frat boy culture still in the skull and bones you saw when they were fighting wrestling in the mud, in the mud. Yeah. and there is that that is where where frat fraternities are at now. That's where they get it from. It's always been there's always been initiation, right? So like the mm -hmm. new members of the group have to prove themselves in yeah. some sort of way, and that that still exists in Freemasonry and all groups. Basically, it's a human. It's part of being human, really. Initiatory. Mm -hmm. If you join a new workplace, you know they'll get you to go out for tartan paint or like you know something stupid like that that even in like the most common of jobs there's these initiatory things you have to do when you join the group always yeah but like this some of them may not be as like as harsh maybe they're just like i don't know you let's go to the pub and down two pints and then yeah so the universities as they the the universities have they taken get, it to another level they get very theatrical with it yeah, you know, and there's and it's because really fraternities are a whole thing that I can speak at length about because the, they date back to like ancient Greece, and okay, there'd be there's a fascinating period of time where like you know about ancient Greece has many different gods. Yeah, they would be called like a pagan or a polytheistic society. Okay. Meaning multiple gods. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Islam and Christianity just believe in that one dude. <laughs> you know, one God to rule them all, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, one ring to rule them all. There was a period of time in ancient Greece when the Catholic Church had taken over and they were banning worshipping Zeus and all the Greek gods and you had to worship big JC, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the people that still wanted to worship these gods would do it in secret at night behind closed doors. And that is kind at of fraternity. Well, that's kind of where these fraternity that's the I that's the whole thing right there. So it's it's to talk about stuff that you can't really talk about like at a normal party. Like that's the vibe. So David Cameron was part of one of these and that was one of his initiatory rites that he had to do. To fuck a pig head. Put his phallus into the severed head of a pig, I believe, yes. Wow. And what? Somebody must have leaked that information then. Um, I can't quite remember how that information made it to uh, our lucky ears as the uh, the people on the streets, but, um, you know, it's that sort of... Uh, I can completely see that in British culture, you know. We love butchers over here. It's I can completely see how that would be an initiatory right of a a fucking a pig head. High that is elite British fraternity, you know. That it's, it's is, very British, very British. That's awful that is. Um, you know what I mean? Like why why do societies need you to go through this like 
Well, there's a few reasons. Like they showed quite a few of the kind of uh, standard traits of a fratern fraternal society. He had to tell them a secret that he'd never told anyone else. That's also very important mm -hmm. because then they know something about you, and if you fuck everyone over, they, they can, can leak that shit. They can leak that shit. So everyone in the group, you have to do stuff that, like the whole con. Probably that pighead information getting out was like probably angered everyone involved because the whole point of it is that David did it and he wouldn't be able to be in the group if he didn't do it. Yeah, so then why... But then once he's done it... He's in the group. He's in the group, and but everyone's done something like that. You know what I mean? So it's one of those... That's how... Not to get too dark here, but like hearing about like human trafficking and child sex rings and stuff like that, it's all very much like you have to do this because we all do this. And if you do it, then we've you're, got dirt on you. Yeah, and you're of one thing. of us or whatever. But then if you, like, sell out one of your own, then if it if it was sold out by one of their own, maybe somebody did some really good research and saw a picture or something. Well, Who then there's knows? that. Yeah, yeah. Th that cocks the whole thing up. But mm -hmm. this, and you start to see, just in that conversation there discussing societies, how important, it's said in this film, information is. Yeah, yeah. Information is power. So it if is. you're a, a government and you're at war with another country, and Professor Dumbledore said this in this film. <laughs> um, it's funny, because I, I heard a... Um, not heard, but... I read a quote from Bruce Lee mm. that said, when you have children, instead of giving them what you didn't have... Mm -hmm. Teach them how to get um, whatever they want because um, gifts deteriorate and physical knowledge. items disappear yeah. and knowledge is forever. Yeah, yeah I mean that, forever, yeah. that's a decent um, decent moral. But I was Dumbledore, the guy who plays Dumbledore, was in this film, and he says, "Well, at the beginning, he is actually he's in the Skull and Bones." And he's also hosting German American Society Club at Yale. Yeah, American German Society. Which is that. so. This film concerns y your question that you asked me was why were these spies not trained like military trained? Why was it all like just about gathering information? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, it's quite important that like whole. German society thing. So, Germany, the Nazis, had a pretty decent intelligent operation going on in Germany during the rise of the Nazi thing. There was no CIA, this, this is pre-CIA, pre-MI5, pre-any intelligence agency. Mm -hmm. The closest thing that you had to something like that, you've got like the Knights Templar in the medieval times, and they were like the intelligence agency of the church. So, like, they were the guys that you send out to your, like, foreign countries to try and convert them to Christianity. Mm -hmm. But they're also, like, knights, so if they say no, they are powerful enough to kill everyone. And that's kind of like a spy, isn't it? Like, you send someone out to spread propaganda, yeah. and if they don't like it, then you get killing. You can, yeah, you kill, you kill them. Yeah, yeah so... Why not? The Knights Templar are a good blueprint, but there's no intelligence agencies. So Germany have the SS, the German secret police. And SS? It's just SS, secret service. Or the, it doesn't stand for that, but it... I can't remember what it stands for, but it's, they were known as the SS. Mm -hmm. Did you catch what the American CIA was called before it was the CIA? Hmm... No. And it was, I know it, but it was mentioned, the OSS. No, I didn't catch that. So that's no. the name. The OSS. The Americans set their own version up and they call it the OSS. Okay. And that <laughs> is just to counteract. There's also another great bit in this film where one of the characters says, you know, we're going to get involved in this war eventually. And this is in like 1939. Like, yeah. well early on in the war. Americans don't get involved until, like, the very end. But that 
fascinated me because it was I was like, oh god, yeah, they must have known they were going to get involved thinking about it. Now I'm, I know a bit more about the whole. Well, they have. Whoa, it's a world war. Do you know what I mean? Like if and they're so big, but it yeah. is. It's just uh, for them not to like even think about them getting involved would be like what are you sort of some some sort of like higher power does it doesn't need to get involved in a world war yeah you well know what I mean? before this um england were considered a lot more of a global power than we like are now america like really rule the roost now america and china yeah but we were like it kind of ties in with what we the the iron giant that we last watched with the whole sputnik thing we really thought we were the bee's knees in the 1940s. We'd beat Hitler. It was like, we are like the, the best. top of the food chain. Yeah, top and, dogs. But then stuff started happening, like the Americans having to get involved in the war. That's always a very touchy subject with anyone from the war generation. Mm -hmm. That the, you know, the, uh, I was trying to think what the slang name for the, because we called the, Amer the Germans the Jerry's. Did we? Yeah, and then there's the Yanks. Yeah, the Yanks. The Yanks, yeah. We're, we're very kind of bitter about the idea that we had to get the Yanks to help, basically. So we're not top dog. Yeah, and so and over the past 50 years, we've really seen the fall of, or the perceived fall of uh, where England thought they were on the world stage. In my head, we can never be that powerful because we're like literally smaller. Like we're an island. Compared we can only have so much influence. America yeah. is huge, but... So the OSS is set up, and that sounds like, oh, it's, it uses the same initials, but whatever. Okay, I can deal with that. Then the war ends, and something called Operation Paperclip happens, and America scoop up all the German ro rocket scientists and quite a few different scientists and engineers. So then you've got this office that was set up in mirror image of the German intelligence service, the OSS, that's now populated with German people, like German scientists. And it's yeah. a, so it, what we can kind of take from that is America and Britain might have won the war, but then the German way of thinking was Still alive. alive. Yes, was very alive yeah. and it was, it was just being controlled. To help, obviously. To help uh, in, uh, America. And America. But then Russia did the same thing. And that's why the Cold War was such a problem. Because the Americans got all these German soldiers, uh, scientists and engineers, and saw all this tech that they were working on. And they were like, oh, this is pretty cool. But then they're like, oh, no. This means Russia know about this as well. Do you think there still are people that are working on stuff? What do you mean? Like, do you think in Russia there's... I think Russia are... they. Russia refer to, like... You know, we're having a whole debate about, like, uh, UFOs and stuff like that. But in America, they don't, in Russia, they don't call them UFOs. They call them plasma-based phenomena. Plasma-based phenomena. Yeah, and stuff like that. They That's have, a great name. They've got whole other sets of terms for stuff like that. PVP. They've been like... Wow. Because America change it all the time. It's UAP now. UAP? What? Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. That's, that's the official US... That's how the US government refer to what dumb. they once referred to as UFOs. That's what I call dumb. Um, UFO... Was so much better. Yeah, well, it's classic, isn't it? Yeah. But so that is shown in this film, like the whole German crossover sort of thing, and the then you you kind of you find out that the guy who Matt Damon's character gets that professor fired for having German interests. Yeah. But then it turns out he was the head of the whole operation. Yeah, he was, he, like... and he recruits him later for. The OSS. Well, he's his, his um, advisor. And then, obviously, he's been in that game for so long that he's like... But then he knows... He knows too much He knows too much, and he actually gets capped. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, but that... To answer your question regarding 
why it doesn't have like a traditional military like full metal jacket training montage in it is because they're not looking obviously you have to i i would it probably wasn't shown it wasn't shown in this film but you have to go into some physical testing but it's more about your mind the british spy in this film says at one point to matt damon's character they told me at the academy that you have to have a few things to be a good spy and he says a mind like a, a mind that won't quit um <clears throat> what was the second thing a mind that won't quit something else and then a, you've got to be a hopeless romantic is the third yeah, thing that yeah. he said. i can't remember what the second thing was but it but the first two were like very tough you've got to like have a, a strict mind and like a and you just won't quit sort of thing and mm -hmm. then but to be the hopeless romantic i completely get that because you've kind of got to like pull something off that seems like impossible which is how like a hopeless romantic is they think they'll get this girl that like they'll never get sort of thing like that's the hopeless romantic so i can completely see as an intelligence officer like if you've You've, you've got to kind of have this romantic optimism that it's all going to work out in the way that you want it to sort of thing. But is it that romantic optimism that keeps uh, Matt Damon going to the point where his whole life's fucked? I don't think so, because if it was for the hopeless romantic, mm. he would have taken the whole, like, that girl that he has at the, at the, at the start. But he's that he, deaf girl, and then but at the his end. but his girl, so to speak, yeah. is America. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. He's the hopeless romantic for America, the bureau, the yeah. CIA, the the or America, and but then that's the thing. He he's so passionate about his country. He's so passionate about the CIA. They're two separate things, and he doesn't quite know what he's actually passionate about by the end of the film. You know what I mean? It's like, because the, what the CIA is and what America is changes over time. So he has he's made himself proud of being so on the ball all the time. But he's so on the ball that he's actually like, stop. He's, he's, take, he's been so on the ball for so long that he can't actually pay attention to what's happening anymore. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a bit like Zodiac. It reminded me of that. What what do you think? Who do you think killed his son's wife? I think that... Do you think it was him? You know, once I found out, Martin, that there were parts of this film that moved in time and the storyline wasn't linear, you could tell me, like, a lot of stuff about this. Like, I'm going to... I know... I was When I was watching this film, I was just thinking, see, I like this film because I already know that I'm going to spend, like, the next month looking up this yeah. film. Because you, you have to understand everything I went through. Now you... Like, yeah. Now that I told you about that timeline, you're like, "There's big chunks." Oh shit! I didn't even notice that. Maybe I should like. Go yeah, back and... there's big chunks that I don't yeah. understand, which is really exciting to me. It means that that, you know, I'm gonna keep going until I do and un understand all of this. And it's it's got me thinking about Robert De Niro and why he'd want to make a film like that. It's it's interesting yeah. that he decided to make a film like this, and it 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 looks like the sort of film that wasn't so easy to make. You know what I mean? It looks like he. He called some favors in to make this film. It Has he made any more films? He's got one other film that he's made. What's that? It's called A Bronx Tale, and it's all about New York. Is that on the list? It, I believe it is on the list, yeah. I will have... If I added this... I know I added this because Robert De Niro directed it. There's no other reason. Like, I wouldn't add it because Matt Damon's in it. I might add it because it's about the Skull and Bones Club. I, I, I'm trying to th remember or work out what attracted me to this film. But, I, but now, but you I, know. Yeah, well, I bet, I'm betting that it's just because I went on Robert De Niro's Letterboxd and saw that he had... I directed two films. Yeah, and I didn't know he directed them. So I, I hazard a guess if this one's on there that A Bronx Tale will be on there. Um, I mean, that there's so much more that one could talk about with this film, but I would... Yeah, give us your closing thoughts. Yeah, it's one of the... It's one of those films, it's like 2001. Yeah, we've done an episode on it, but like, have we covered it? No. Because <laughs> like, yeah, there's so much to talk about. Like, yeah. the film was quite, although it was quite long, I thought it was longer than it actually no, was. No, Enter the Void was actually longer than that. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it just I, felt 
Possibly longer than Anton Pre- Because of how much information they throw at you. And it's how he is as a character. He's very slow. Yeah. In the yeah. way that... He, and you, I think it's designed like that to make you feel the weight on his shoulders that he must feel... Or it's it, he puts the weight on his shoulders because if he didn't love his country so much, then that weight wouldn't be that sort of thing. But like he, you feel like him. Like, all oh, so much going on and not knowing what's true mm-hmm. and what... Some of the scenes on, on here were like, how how does he know that? Like how how did he get that information? I know that I know that information is I know that knowledge is is everything in the CIA game. But like, mm. and, but then to get the information on on like how he got that information, you're like, who gave it to him? Just as Im- how did he get it? Just as important as information in this film was disinformation. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea, which I find absolutely fascinating, and it, it is more relevant than ever in 2021 with, you know, the f- fake news and all that, the, the world that we live in with social media. People need to understand that since the 1940s, actual intelligence agencies have been... Growing. Spreading false information. Mm-hmm. So if there's, like, a rumor out there... Not even a rumor. If there's information out there that the CIA don't want out there, be it true or false, they'll send someone to fuck with that narrative. And an example of it would be in the 1950s when the infamous flying saucer flap happened and everyone was amazed, looking up in the sky and it was happening for the first time, just like the fraternities, groups started to form in mm. villages of people that would meet at night to talk about the flying saucer phenomenon. Mm. And the CIA, the newly formed CIA, actually sent agents out to all of these groups, number one, to find out if they had any legitimate information, and number two, to spread an, a load of absolute bullshit into it to mm-hmm. make sure that it, they get the information that was right and then they make sure that no more right information can come out of this group. Yeah. yeah. And there's lots of in evidence of stuff like that happening. Like there was a man called Phil Schneider who with some radio gear picked up what he thought were alien messages on his radio. What it actually was is that there was a American army base nearby and he just tuned into that. But the American government were not happy that he did tune into that. It was something that wasn't meant... You it weren't, happened. Yeah. So what the retaliation was for that is the American government sent a man to Phil Schneider to tell him, yeah, you've done it. You've contacted aliens. And it sent him insane. And Phil Schneider's dead. Wow. Yeah. Is that... Is that Zack Schneider's dead? <laughs> no, that's nothing to do with <laughs> Zack Schneider. Um... And but that is crazy. MK Ultra was referenced in this, which I've spoke to you about loads of times. The whole thing about the American government taking over. Well, I guess MK Ultra is known for them taking over brothels and drug dens in low-income areas, and giving them psychedelic drugs to see if they could be used yeah. as truth serum, to see if they could be used yeah. for to turn them into super soldiers, to see if they could hypnotize them, to see if they could uh, become psychic using LSD, all of these And obviously they used it things on were that tested. guy. And it was used on this guy, and what did he do? He was like, oh, my name is, oh, he He's... had a long name, and he just like, I'm free! Jumped off the window. Well, he spat a whole lot of truth about how Russia's not actually a threat to the West at all, and they just yeah. need it to keep the military-industrial yep. complex yep. going, which mm-hmm. was like, wow. And then he said, I'm free, and jumped out a window. But the whole, like, he was innocent. So Because the other guy was telling yeah, a lie. He was innocent, number one. Number two, jumping out a window is, like, the number one thing that, like, the drug PSA people will tell you about acid. They'll say, oh... Well, if you take acid, you'll think you can fly and you'll jump off a building. And that myth... So when I say that this film is based on true events, that did happen in the MK Ultra, the actual MK Ultra experiments. A man did jump out a window because he'd been given LSD, but he wasn't told he was given LSD and he thought he was going insane and he jumped out a window. Then that 
became the the big scare tactic for getting people to not do LSD. But he only freaked out because he was given it against his will. Yeah. And he didn't yeah. know about it. And that's a completely rational fucking response to being drugged. Like, thinking you're dying or whatever. Like, So you can start to see how misinformation, propaganda, actual information... It's a subject matter I find absolutely fascinating because, you know, we're, we're going to wrap this podcast up shortly, but it it has literally been a toe dip just into this film. And now it's when you take a full fucking dive into it. Well, yeah, as soon as tomorrow, I'll spend the whole day, like, going through it. And that, you know, I don't feel too bad about a podcast where we don't go too deep into it because number one it's not that deep bro it's not that deep bro <laughs> and number two you can hear like i'm excited about this film yeah you it's are. not like You're very excited it's not like but i'm there's so much to talk about that i know i can't get it all out so i'm quite happy to to recommend this film to the ambitious film watcher you know the the person that likes a bigger portion <laughs> that's what i like to hear bro at the cinema mm -hmm. and really pick it apart like don't let it scare you you know the the density of a of a project like this that that that's how i feel about it anyway i'm um i'm sure um it's not for everyone with its length well guys thank you for listening mine's done for i <laughs> have been very, very glad to see this film. Mm. It was very... Um, you enjoyed it? Yeah, it was very informative. Mm. It wasn't... So. It was like... It was like uh, entertaining. You know yeah, what I mean? Like very it, entertaining. You, you yeah. could consistently watch it, whereas... A lot of information was given to me. I sort of like understand a little bit, a bit more talking to you about it. Mm. So oh, those yeah, are yeah. my you, closing thoughts. Same, same with... Uh, same with you. I I learned a lot about this film speaking to you. Mostly that there was a time travel element to this. Yeah, film I don't. I I, <laughs> I understood it once. I like figure like I looked at because I I kept seeing little bits of like missing not misinformation but like mm. information that didn't make sense in the story that he was portraying from the beginning. Because then, but then once I knew what was happening I sort of like oh okay so it's sort of telling the main story that's happening now and him being at the CIA and how he got to like how he got to the CIA mm. and what he had to do I so mean, once I knew that I was like I know what's happening but I still don't get it and then I've explained that to you and I You've think explained it to me we'll possibly like talk about Done. this film for a few for weeks to days. come, I imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, go get, go watch The Good Shepherd, Robert De Niro. Um, very classy filmmaking. Catch us on the flip side. You know where to get us at. The YouTube, the Spotify, the Apple Music, the MIPLTD.org website. Hit us up in the comment section um, below, whatever it may be. LTD. And tell us what you thought of the film if you've watched it. If you have not watched it and we've helped you want to watch it, then you're welcome. And keep we'll see it, you next time. Keep it easy. And remember, life is breezy.
Yeah. yeah.